Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teach it through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. All right, so here we are. See how good that was, Kevin? <laughs> Another retreat weekend down at uh, the Rick Smith Performance Center at Trump Doral. We're at the Carolina Ale House. Give them a little plug. Yeah. Maybe I'll get like a free beer out of this or something <laughs> one day. Ian Highfield with us. First time I've been able to work with Ian. Yeah. Super excited about that. It's been pretty cool. Good friend Kevin Sprecker. Yep. We've got multiple Kevins in. And then Kevin Kirk, my buddy who's here. And uh, Kev, it was cool. That's the first time I've gotten to teach with you. I mean, we've done some stuff, but like where we taught a whole day together, us, and we didn't mess anybody up too bad. So I think we did all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, Kevin brought down a great group of kids, and right. I think they were all they were all pretty far along. So I mean, there wasn't much to, for us to do except just try to reinforce some of the stuff that he was had, working on. But it, it was great to be able to kind of get in there with you, and we can kind of look at the swings, pull the hood of the car up, and talk shop a little bit, and, and try to figure out okay, what can we do to, to to make this better. So it was it's a great it was a great weekend for me. I've had a blast, and appreciate Kevin and Ian bringing bringing everybody down and. and uh, I, I would always, I just tell you, you're, you're always welcome back to bring that, that group of kids back anytime. So. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Look, I enjoy it. I think you know, a lot of the kids, they're still talking about the stuff that we did last year. Right. When we worked together. You know, and how, how some of the things that you told them, they're working on, and it, and it works right along the way I, I, what I teach. And I love exposing my, my students to other teachers because nobody, like us, we are talking about before, nobody knows it all. Right. And so for them to hear something similar, but from a different way, from a different background, was just really helpful for me. Let's get Ian's opinion on this. And I'm gonna go around the room here, around the table. What do you think about getting other opinions and stuff? I think it's healthy. Kevin knows this, Sprecker knows this. Like I, I brought plenty of my professional players down and asked Kirk to sit in and watch them with me and yeah. give opinions. Yeah. We've had some that are struggling and I've said, hey, like, I'm stumped, like what, you know, and maybe where I want to take this, because it always kind of happens this way, like is, I wonder if maybe coaching in the future, is it healthy and will it go that way where maybe we ask for more help than just one guy standing out there on an island doing everything himself, right? Is that, what do you think? Yeah, I I think it's happening a bit now anyway, because it's becoming kind of like a team sport. So I'm super dependent on you guys, right? You guys today, you looked at the, and yesterday you looked at the swing mechanics, gave in-depth analysis. And when the kids came to my station, they can clearly articulate, okay, yeah, this is what the guys want me to work on. And then I'm putting them into a task or I'm giving them drills that actually help them do that. Right. So for, for me, I can't work on my own. I'm dependent on being a part of a team with you guys. Then probably an extension of that is a physical trainer. And then an extension of that might be a stats guy. So 
I'm already like part of a team. So I'm not necessarily seeking the second set of eyes. I'm seeking different advice from the mechanics, from the physical and trying to draw it all together and, and put it into a practice plan. Kevin, what do you think? I mean, what do you think that's something that, I'm just curious, your thoughts, you, you've taught many yeah, or more no, tour I, players I, than I me. Think, I'm just curious how it's going to go. I think the idea of, of team coaching is here to stay. I, I, I think it's clearly a better way to do it, but it does require discipline. And the discipline that's required is that there has to be, you know, in golf, it's, it's so interesting, and particularly on the PGA Tour, you'll have a, a player who has a strength coach, a swing coach, a short game coach, a physio, have six or seven people that all report directly to the player. And the problem with that is, is it the, the play it, it floods the player with too much information. Yeah. And so I, I think that probably the future of it is there's is is maybe developing a model where you have all the service providers like, and the service providers actually report to a head coach like they do in other sports. Yeah. And so that the, the information can be managed and processed and not blow the people the people's heads up that we're trying to coach. Yeah. And I, so I and I think you know in the situation that Kevin is Kevin is clearly the head coach, right? And we all know that and respect that. So that's that's why this can, can work great. So it's like what are you and Kevin been working on? Let's try to support them, right? But in the real world out there, a lot of the kids are dragging around these teams of people that are bombarding their brains with all this information. And so how do you, how do we as coaches stop that? Because I, I I've dealt with that, right? And I think as you go up the ladder, it gets harder because I think as you go up the ladder, you've got agents, you got I mean parents, wives, you got lots of influencers, shit, right? Influ that's a good word, influencers. I'd have gone something different, but that's <laughs> influencers is a good one, right? Um, like I think that's one of the challenges of what we do. And and it's it's tough with kids, gets tougher with college players, and it gets harder with tour players. But like, how do you, as a player or a how do, how do you battle it? I think I think it's it really kind of goes back to you know the idea that when you're dealing with a coach or an athlete, there's an ecosystem around that around that player. And there's always one influencer that you have to figure out who that man that person is and try to manage that one person. Because they can they can turn the ship upside down in a heartbeat. Right? Yeah, yeah. So part and it, sometimes it's a, a sibling, sometimes it's an uncle, sometimes it's a parent. But you need to figure out who that person is and get them on board as quickly as possible and make sure they're part of the discussion that they're, they feel like they're kind of included in kind of what's going on. Because if the second they don't feel that, they will derail it. I've just I've I've been on the I've, I've experienced that. I've watched it happen at all levels of golf. And so I think that you know being more disciplined with the way we manage our teams and try to make sure that when we're, when we're looking at the ecosystem, trying to identify the influencer, who's the person that has the most influence on that person, and make sure that we, we onboard them into the discussion. They'd actually have to become part of the team. I think in teaching in general, there's a lot of info out there. I had a young teacher, I may, I may have told you this, Kevin, but I had a young teacher call me not long ago and said, hey, I've, I've taken... X certification, X certification, X certification, X certification, and I feel like my business is worse, and I'm a worse teacher. And he asked me advice, and I said, I think you need to sit down and you need to really organize what you think, right? And I think that's the danger with these teams is like there's no organization. Everybody's spewing yeah. stuff in, right? And what so, do you I mean from your point of view? So that in in 
in a way, that's not necessarily a team, right? That's individuals providing information. I think if you look at this camp that we've done, mm -hmm. we operated as a team. We knew who we, we operated together. We had three different pods. People rotated through the pod. Everyone knew what their role was within that pod. I didn't start coaching swing mechanics or fitness when you guys told me, hey, specifically, it's effective practice. Mm -hmm. So I think like if the team communicates and they do, like you said, have a CEO or someone at the top, I think it's efficient. I think it's dangerous when it's not a team and it's seven or eight individuals all putting the information. That's good. That's the problem. Yeah. And I, you know, with, with these events and these things, and I work with a lot of different people that I built teams around my players. I try to find people that I trust so that I know they're going to follow what I'm following my lead basically. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I chose you because I trust you and I know, and, and, and Kevin was there. And I know Kevin's background. I trust him. Ian and I have worked fabulously over the last five years with many different players. And so I think finding a team like that, but it's people that you trust that you know they're going to respect whatever that team leader is. I know you guys are going to respect what I'm doing with the players. You're not going to say anything to opposite what I'm doing. And, and, and if you do, you'll pull me aside and say, hey, what do you think about this? And we'll have a conversation about it. And we'll both agree on it and then go back to the player. And I think having that kind of a team is, you know, is relied upon whoever the leader is for that player. And you got to choose different teams for different players because I got different seven strokes for different. Players. I got yeah. seven different kids down here and they're all similar. But I don't use everybody the same with them. So it's, it's finding the, the right mesh for that. I got to give Kevin a shout out though, because he's kind of a rare breed. When he first introduced me to a couple of players and, and his wife, Debbie, he really helped me establish my business. And I would say to my wife at times, hey, this guy's recommending me players. He's not asking me for any money. He's not asking me for this. Like, what's going on? And he literally had the student at the heart of what he was doing. He put the student first and was like, I think Ian can help this student. And then like he said earlier, he's up north, you're down here. He puts the student first. Hey, go and see this guy. When you're down in Doral, go and see this guy when you hit. And I think sometimes the coaches put themselves first and their <laughs> <Sometimes>. needs, their <laughs> needs, their ego. That's another podcast. <laughs> their needs, their ego. So Kevin's, Kevin's really like helped me see that you talked about Greg earlier. Because of being with Kevin, I would definitely send a player to Greg and say, Greg, can you have a look? What do you think? Can you help me out? And, and that's something that he's taught me. And I think, again, that's why this is, has been such a success and efficient team because of that kind of mindset. I think it's about one of the things that we, you know, there's two ways that you can gain information through your own trial and error or through other people's experience, right? So, so the idea there is, is we all, over our lifetime, we assemble these these networks of people that we that become our support team, right? So if I get stuck on something, I this is my go-to guy for that, right? And I think what happens is when you start getting a, a group of people together, the the network of service providers is, I mean, it's crazy how the the, how the quality of people that we have access to. Right? But to, your, to to Kevin's point earlier, every each one of the service providers it has this. It's almost like they they match up nicely with a certain type of personality type they won't work for somebody else mm. and so you can't it's not like you just, you just throw this one person at them all the time it's crazy you have to you have to just so and that goes back to the you know to, to, to Kevin being the, the head coach 
being and, 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 and picking the people that he thinks are the right is the right support team for because I would tell you that group of kids over there they probably don't have all the same support groups. I mean, they all probably have a little maybe Correct. some of them do, but but I think there's probably yeah. you know, so just based right. on personality, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, they all I mean look, we all have to for me, it's about the student. I've always said, I've always put the student first. You know, I'm successful because my students are successful. Does it, and, and I like to see them grow as players. And, and like I mentioned to you earlier, Kev, I, I learned from watching you guys teach and listening to what you guys say. I think I, that's why we like doing it. Like, I love, I've changed my, I've changed a lot of the way I teach in the last year to where I like to do stuff like this where I collaborate with other teachers. Because I've, I've seen the players get better. I use this loosely. Like, I feel like I've gotten better, right? And also, for me, it's become more fun, you know? And I also wonder if the day of really getting better and developing people in the one-hour lesson and the five-hour lesson series and the 12-lesson block or whatever is going away for really developing people to get better. Because, like... I had a one of our professional players was here this weekend, Todd Green. And Todd was like, man, I love, you know, that like I don't necessarily sit with you for an hour, but you watch me for 25 minutes and then I process it and I think about it and I help these kids and I got to talk about what I'm doing. Then I come at the end of the day and for 30 minutes we work and then you go watch me on the golf course. And so what I'm saying, like, and this might be an Ian question, but like, is that a better way to learn than you go into somebody hammers you for two hours straight? Yeah. And then you're on your own. The, the, the simple answer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, Next question. So um, I think the, the three great things, if you want to learn spacing, variability and challenge. So if you're going to learn something, you need time between repetitions. Mm -hmm. So 25 minutes, go away, do something else. There's variability, there's space, come back. Now you remind that person of that information. Hey, this is what we discussed earlier. The brain has to process that because it's forgotten it. So the whole goal of learning is not to get hold of something and keep it. It's to lose something and be able to recall it. And that's, you know, we talk about block, if we took it more on a micro scale, we talk about block practice. So because I'm the practice guy and I talk about it, people see me as anti-block practice. I'm not, but blocks are five. Five balls, get your block in, get that feeling, lose it by going and doing a different task, going and doing something else, come back, and you get to that block of five and your brain has to work hard to recall that information. And that's what makes swing changes stick. That's what makes information stick. Let me ask you this question. I'm gonna target in on Ian for a minute. So I'm on my third glass of wine. <laughs> like, so I'm big on doing practice plans for my kids yeah. or players. And I, break, I give them ball counts. I don't like people to go by time. I like them to go by ball counts because I feel like if they have a specific task to do, yep. they're more committed. Yep. And I like to go like, I want you to hit 20 balls and every five balls I want you, after five balls I want you to do X, whatever it is you're working on, yep. drill. Then go back and hit your five balls and do that. Yep. Like I feel like, I feel like you can take a person and give them 40 balls, they count them out, and it's going to take them way longer 
and they're going to be they're going to get more out of it because they're actually paying attention to what the hell they do. But if oh, you yeah. say go here, I want you to go work on this for for an hour, they ain't doing it. So I got I got something to bring to discussion. I think really ultimately what we're trying to develop is with the See, players is competence, right? right? <laughs> it's just competence. We want them to be competent. You know, it's to some benchmark that allows them to play at a certain level. Right? Yep. So competence comes from being given a task, being, being, being given a, a task, and co- accomplish that task frequently Start enough that the next right. time the task is presented, they feel good about it, right? So I think I've come to, to believe that it's, uh, some of the best training things that I've kind of put together mm-hmm. are giving your kids a, a set of ta- a tasks and some benchmarks and getting it out of the way and letting them to figure it out. Yeah. With, with the least inv- amount of invasion, you know, invasive, you know. Yeah. And, and so, so the learning becomes more organic, it's more meaningful, and it's le- much less invasive. I don't have to go through, I don't have to repattern their entire swing to try to help to, to help to, to, to create the, the, out, the desired outcome. Yeah, I think, so there you would talk about like, instead of instruction, you're creating an environment and you're trusting that that player is gonna self-organize in that environment. Now, if they can't, that's when you can step in and be a coach, right? Yeah, they can and hold instruct. their hand up and say, I need help. Yes, yeah. correct. And if they can, and the great thing about uh, what you said is at the end of the day, you're almost doubling down there because as well as the spacing effect and variability, they're now reflecting. So like so many players want to be great, but at the end of the day, they're not journaling on what they learned that day that could make them great. The first thing you guys did at this trip, when I, and that's when I was like, oh, I'm going to have fun here, because you're like, guys, get your pens, get your pads out, take notes. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero here, host of the Tour Coach Podcast. Thanks to our great sponsors, Shrixon Golf and Bushnell Golf, we're working to help spread the word about the Tour Coach and get more people to download and get more people to listen to it. I have so many DMs every week from golfers, from teachers, just people that are passionate about the game of golf that love our authentic, our raw approach. It's unproduced. It's just natural. It's from my travels, teaching and working on the PGA Tour, teaching at our retreats, just conversations with the very best in the world of golf. And we want more people to know about it. So Shrixon and Cleveland Golf and Bushnell and I have teamed up to give away some stuff. And here's what you have to do to win and help spread the word about the Tour Coach. All you have to do is go on to Apple iTunes and give a review of the Tour Coach, then screenshot it, and then post it on Instagram or Twitter and tag Shrixon and Bushnell and myself at the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or at Dew Sweeper Golf on Twitter. And what I'm gonna do weekly is draw from those people that tag me on social media, as well as Bushnell and Shrixon, and I'm gonna do drawings for Wingmans, Dew Sweeper Books, new Shrixon golf balls and wedges. We're gonna give away a ton of stuff each week over the next month. So spread the word about the tour coach, give a review, screenshot it, and post it on your social media channels and tag me at the Dew Sweeper and at Dew Sweeper Golf. And we're gonna be spreading the word and spreading the love and helping people play better golf. One of my mentors, Mark Wood, he always wrote a note card for everybody at the end of the lesson, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've, I've adapted that to where I make them write their notes in their phone or, you know, it's hard. I was, I was texting with Brett McCabe actually the other day 
about it. Like, is this, you know, and I, and I, it's like hard to get them to write nowadays, but they all have a damn phone, right? And I, and I think it's important. Like, we did that every day, yesterday, today, at the end of each session. Get your phone out, write it down. I think that's a big deal for them. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. You gotta, you gotta like, I guess they, some would say, and I don't know how accurate this is, close the learning loop. And again, you want time. There's nothing accurate in this podcast. <laughs> you, want, you want time. So I always actually talk about part. P is plan. A is act. R is reflect. So in practice, we're going to make part. Now, when these kids turn up, we've done the P, right? We've done the plan. They act it out. So in that environment like you were talking about, they're acting it out and we can step in and we can help them find solutions. And then, and then it's done. And then they go away. They eat their food, they go on their Instagram, they do whatever. And then that last part, that reflection, again, because there's been time, the spacing effect, and there's been variability in task, they have to challenge their working memory to recall what they did today. So it, it, it's far more powerful than coming for one hour, getting the information, shelling balls for an hour, thinking you've ingrained something and leaving. The, the, all the learning scientists will tell you that's ineffective. I've had, I've had multiple tour players, college players, and juniors tell me when I thought a weekend wasn't good, right? We all get to the end of these weekends sometimes and we feel like maybe we didn't give them enough time. But I've had multiple times where they've said, like, man, it was the best weekend ever. And I'm like, what? They're like, man, I got to see you for 15, 20 minutes, ask a question, you filmed me, you showed me something, and then you shoved my ass out the door and I went to work on it. And then two hours later, I got to come in and ask a question about it and go do it. And I think there's, I think there's got to be some validity to that. Yeah, I think that it's that it's that take, them taking ownership of their learning and that where it's, they're given they're given some information. They have to kind of go out there and find meaning in it, try to you know, and and try to get themselves organized about it around how to how to execute. So it's, I do think that I've, I've moved to more in my my coaching more of a of an organic form where I try to give them more space to, to take that on and not try to steer it too hard. You know? right. So yeah. here's the compass heading, right? You're clear on where we're going. You're clear on the, the, the all right, so here's the tasks that are associated with you. And you accomplish those tasks frequently enough, you'll develop some confidence, okay? I'm gonna get out of the way, I'm gonna let you go try that for a while. Okay? And see if you can organize me. If you could, then great. If not, hold your hand up, and then we'll come back in and we, we, you know, gather up and do it, try it again. And I had a tour player today call me and say, hey, been working hard, I hadn't played great. Basically, I need to just go play for a month is what we agreed on, right? I know you're gonna come up next week, this week, watch play view and be like, I don't need any info, go play golf. And I think that like people are scared of that, right? Like people are scared of, oh, well, they don't need me. You always, you said something to me, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about something on the phone. You're like, if we do our job, we teach our way out of a job, right? But I think like we give them a bunch of info and I think sometimes you got to step back and give them some time, you know? And, and I think I did that with Richie actually. Like wanted to make a change. We made, we gave him a bunch of info. Didn't play great. Swing's looking better on video, but he doesn't know how to play with it yet. I think it's healthy to let people go play for three, four weeks. I also think one of the mistakes, I mean, I, I'm that guy that's got the, the, the every every week at the same hour, the, I'm, I'm by the hour up in New York, but I, I think the mistake that young teachers make is they feel like someone's coming to them, they have to teach them something, maybe even something new. 
and a lot of my stuff is what did we do the last time and if they don't remember well, here's what we did and it's 15 minutes of teaching and 45 minutes of supervised practice and, and watch them do it and, but that's okay and, and, remind, and, I, and I think that's what I'm saying I think it's great I think young teachers are always afraid of not saying something new I remember I was working with Faxon a long long time ago and, and Bob Rotella was there and Rotella saying the facts because what do you expect from coaches See, every time you go there you expect them to tell you something different and there's nothing different it's the same thing you just you're just looking for something you know you know something different to hear but it's not there so it's i think it's the players are always thinking you know i ask these kids what do you want to work on when they come to see me and i get a blank face they're just there because their parents told them to come there or they were told told to take a lesson and so i think young teachers have to be really careful with giving out too much information and and it's okay to to sit there and say nothing. I think that, and we could go deeper into this, but I think young teachers also, or up and coming teachers, there's so much information out there. And I just think that there's this, you know, I, I think that there's this feel that if you keep getting certified and you keep getting information, you're automatically going to be a better teacher. And I don't know that that's the case. I really don't. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think, what are you laughing at, Ian? <laughs> you do know that that's not the case. <laughs> well, I think well that, I mean, I like to pretend sometimes <laughs> I don't have an answer. I think you have to have, I think you have, to have a, a basic philosophy of what you want to know or what you want to teach. Like, I go all these, certific all these certifications as well, but it's, I, I just take little bits and pieces out of it and because I want to hear what they have to say, and I want to incorporate it into what I'm doing. It's not gonna. It's not gonna change my shift in the way I teach, right. and anything like that. And one of the things you know, I worked for Jim McLean for 25 years, and one of the things I really respect about Jim, and you watch him, it's just, he's teaching the same stuff today as he was when I started working for him 30 years ago, or 25 years ago, and I respect him for that. You know, a lot of other coaches will completely shift plans and, and philosophies and, and do different things, and that's one of the things I respect in Jim, and I've incorporated that into myself. Is I'll take stuff that I learned from Kevin and from Tony and, and other stuff from Ian and build it into my my philosophy. But my core stuff hasn't changed in 20 years. That's why you're good, though. And you have an identity as a teacher, right? Like, players have to have an identity as a player. They have to be comfortable with the way they're going to go about their business. Like, Bryson versus Kepka were two very different identities. I think coaches are the same. You've, you've got to be very comfortable in, hey, this is me as a coach. And you're not going to check every box for every person. There's definitely people that shouldn't work with, with me that would be better suited to go and work with Bryce someone of a different person. Work with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, want, I want to go back to that idea about the, you know, the young coaches. I do think that you know, I, we've, we're in an era now where it's all about evidence-based coaching. It's all about objectivity. But really good coaching, there's some subjectivity. There's some intuition. There's there's, you know, uh, it's an art. It is an art. And so I think that the best teachers I've been around have the capacity to handle the, the objectivity, but they are also, they're very intuitive. They're very, they use some of the softer skills a lot more than, than, than you think, right? Because it's not all about the X's and O's, right? Right. How, how am I going to get this kid through this channel where he's been struggling for, for four months to yeah. onboard this stuff and to be able to kind of go through the learning process and be able to kind of pop out the other side? You know, whole, right? Yeah. I mean, so right. it's not just about the X's and O's. And so you start unloading the, the the gun of objectivity on somebody, you can harm them, man. You can you can hurt them. Yeah. So it's, so it's you need to be honest with them, but man, you got to be careful. You're dealing with human beings. You know? yeah. Very true. And I, I think that's. I think we get it. Somebody asked me this. You and I've touched on it briefly, Kirk. And 
than like with all the science. And I think the information's great. But I also think how it's dispensed to a person is important. Somebody asked me this evening about like what I thought of 3D and this, that, and the other. And I said, I think it's great. But I prefer it to be the info to be gathered and kind of explained and given to me and me dispense it to the student instead of it coming out of a fire hydrant at a player where everything's given to them and they hear everything, right? And I, I think that technology is a challenge for us because that's another avenue that we have to navigate and say like, hey, you know, and sometimes, sometimes 3D doesn't match with a tour average or what somebody is, but it's how they play their best golf. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of technology is based on modeling to begin with, right? So you're, there's some assumptions that are being made that may or may not be applicable, right? So it's always an n equals one in my mind. You know, it's, it's always a population of one. Absolutely. And so you got to start with this individual. I mean, I keep, I keep going back to Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk <laughs> blows my mind. I mean, best player of his era, completely confident in everything he does. Nothing looks like golf. Yeah. No. I mean, he blows apart every everything, right? Yep. And you know, I, I swear to God, if that kid would show up in my office, I'd have ruined it. I know I would have. Really? Yeah, I mean, just because I didn't have the discipline, it didn't look right. Nothing that, and I would have, I would have, I would have immediately said, you just can't do that. So I'm, I'm at a point now where I can see it differently. I mean, if you're competent, my job is to understand how you do it yeah. and try to support that. Yeah. And I, going back to Tony's comment about the, the 3D, that you know, technology, it's just a training tool. You bring in an expert to do 3D, whatever. They're just a high-tech training tool, but you know, but the information, like I agree with you, it has to come from the coach. The training tool, t- 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 tell me what the information is. Let me decide what's good for my player and what's not good. So for it goes my back player. to the idea that there's a case manager or some sort of head coach. Right, right. you're yeah. right on that. It goes right back to what you it, said. It, yeah, because it has to it has to go back through somebody who can decipher, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, Colby Tuye said this to me once. We were having a conversation. It may have been on, but he's like, you know, the best success we've had. Is when the swing coach is the is the CEO, and everybody knows their lane, and it goes yep. there. Yep. But every time it falls apart, a player falls off the list, off the rocker, and everybody gets fired, is when somebody other than the head coach starts talking to the player and thinking they got a better idea. Yep. And it never ends well. Yep. How good of friends? How good a dude they are? Whatever. It never ends well, yep. right? Like, it just doesn't, right? It always works best when everything funnels through that. So, golf is the only sport in the world where we where we coach that way. If you look at football, soccer, whatever sport, baseball, there's a head coach, and all the coaches report to the back to the head coach. All, yep. all the service providers and assistant coaches report back to the head coach. They don't report to the player. Yeah. In golf, they're all, they're all trying to get the player's Love. attention. We're, and we're, we're, we compete for it. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I, right. I think that's why one of the best training aids would be coach now. Yeah, People talk good. about training aids yeah. and immediately they'll go to something they yeah. put on their club or yeah. whatever. But coach now creates absolute transparency. Yeah. It allows the player to write, yeah. plan, act, yeah. reflect, like yeah. we said before. It allows me to see it, allows yeah. you to see it, allows Kevin to see it, allows Tony to see it. It's like a locker where you can and store all the information. Correct. If someone weighs in, we all see it. Correct. So at, at core, where I'm at, all our kids are on coach now, and the, the, it's probably the best environment where coaches haven't got territorial over junior golfers. Because if a kid comes up and says, hey coach, can you help me out? 
They'll look in the coach now. Before they give any information, they'll look in the coach now and they'll look at what their main coach or their mentor, they'll look at the pathway they're on and they'll just support that pathway. So it's, so it's, it's assigning a case manager. Yeah. Letting that, that, that case manager manage the, the team, right? Manage the, the, you know, the distribution of the information, periodize that and make sure, hey, listen, I'm going to be calling you three months from now, but right now I need you to sit tight. We got to, we got to get these other things done. Okay. Once we get into this next phase, this next kind of this preseason, I'm going to need you to step in and help. Okay, but for right now, you're not off the team. I, I just need you to sit tight and let us yeah. get this other work done, yeah. right? Right. And then the player is getting one message. That this is this is the, this, and you've done a beautiful job with that. I mean, watching all those kids. I mean. The, they know exactly what's going on. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah, it is. Thank you. And the big it thing is. is I can tell how much they care about you, right? Which I think in the end is the most important thing. Yeah. And that's always the thing I care most about what I do, right? I mean, in the end, that's what we're trying to do, I think. You know? yeah. We're just trying to develop good people that good have people. golf in their life. Hopefully, you know, get some somewhere along the way. Do you guys want anything else? College or something along those rounds. And, and it was just, you know, it's, it's all about the kids. You know, for me, it's all about the kids and the students. They just heard our waitress. Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, I, I thought it was a great weekend. And I, I don't say it very often, but like, I thought it was one of the best flowing weekends I've had teaching, doing this. I've done these retreats for several years and bringing them down here to Kevin and Rick's place for, for since December and it has flowed beautiful. Ian, man, it's been awesome. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm really yeah, I'm, I'm kind of pumped. I'm going to let you do it all <laughs> but be, at least I'm honest. Kevin, it was fun teaching with you. It was you. fun today. Yeah. Kirk, man, we had a blast. It's really fun. We messed them up quick. I, okay. I like that. Uh, I'm yeah. looking forward to working with Kirk tomorrow. Listening yeah, we'll to him talk to yeah, the players. It'll be good. And I love, I love the way we've, it's been, it's, we've had a chance, everybody's had a chance to kind of hang out together. Yes, yeah, I, I learned that actually in my early years of teaching. Rob Akins, good friend Rob, did a junior thing up in uh, Nashville. And he invited like four or five top teachers, top 100 guys, whatever. And they got to bring their assistants, and they they Rob took their assistants and put them with other teachers, so you couldn't teach with the guy you were with. Wow! And it was genius. And I was so scared to death. I was with Tom Ness, and I mean, never spoke. And he was, I was worried to death because he's a genius. And then he broke the ice. He told me we were walking up to this bar. I'm going to end the podcast with this. We're walking up to this kid, and before he goes, "What do you think?" And I was stammering. And he goes. Come on, you can't f- him up so bad. I can't fix him. That's how he. That's how. That's how he. That's how perfect. he started the thing right. for me. And go. the rest is history. But that's perfect. awesome, Brilliant. Ian. Great to teach with you and hang thank out you. with you. Spreck, you're the best as always. We'll thank do this you. again. Yep, Kirk, man, can't thank you enough for the opportunity to be down here. Look, if people are out there and you want to come have a good time, come have a fun time down here and learn the game with me and Kirk down here at uh, Rick Smith and Trump Doral for one of our retreats, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube, as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.